Let's go ahead and, uh, and turn your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 5. As we get started, 1 Peter chapter 5. And uh, while you turn, I'll set up the, the backdrop here a little bit. The first four verses, as you look at 1 Peter chapter 5, are written to pastors, written to shepherds of, the, of their flocks there. And uh, we're actually going to start in verse 5, but I have to mention verses 1 through 4, because verse 5 starts the word likewise. And uh, if I heard somebody start with a verse that started with likewise, I would think, like what? <laughs> so in the first four verses there, written to the, the shepherds, uh, Peter encourages the, the, the pastors as to how they behave, what they're supposed to do. And it finishes in verse 4, reminding them that there is a, a chief shepherd, uh, Jesus Christ, uh, that they, they must give answer to, that they must submit to, they must humble to themselves. Um, and then in verse 5, Peter's focus shifts a bit to the average church member, not, not exclusively to pastors, uh, looking at, at all church members. And that's where we're going to start off tonight, starting there in verse 5, and uh, we'll go through verse 11. Let's read through the passage first, and uh, then we'll dig into it here. It starts in verse 5, saying, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility." For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by, G by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. As I read through these verses, it seemed that we had five things. And I've got a really simple outline tonight. We've got three keys to having a right relationship with others and also with God. And then we have a warning, and then we have a hope. And when I say hope, it was the, um, the best word that I could think of to use, but it's not, you know, one of those, I hope I get a pony for my birthday. It's a confidence, a settled confidence in what God will do. Um, so let's look at these, these uh, three keys, uh, this, this warning and this hope together. The first key that we're going to look at in maintaining and building a right relationship with those around us is submission. There, right there in verse 5, it says, Younger, submit yourselves to the elder. But then it also says, All of you be subject one to another. And this is a difficult thing to do. Like, this goes completely contrary to what we want in our flesh, to what the world tells us to do. We want to be number one. We don't want to put others before ourselves. We don't want to make ourselves subjects to someone else and submit to their authority. We want to be the top dog. And this is difficult to do, to swallow our pride and to realize, no, I need to value other people. I need to value their opinions, what they have to say, submit to their way of seeing things from time to time, uh, always be showing love and, and submission like that. It just goes totally contrary to the world around us. Um, 
from all aspects of life. I mean, uh, turn on a, a television or a program of some sort, and the hero isn't usually the guy who submits the authorities around him. Uh, instead, he's the guy who goes all, you know, maverick, does it his own way, solves a problem, and yay for the hero. Or, or other forms of entertainment, be it music or whatever media you can find, this idea of being submissive or subjective to someone else isn't a very popular idea, and yet it's what God calls us to do. It's an easy thing to do, and yet it's what God calls us to do. We want to have the rights to determine for ourselves what we want to do with our lives. Um, I remember even as a, a teenager, I had a job in a in a fast food restaurant. There was always music playing in the kitchen, and, and you couldn't help but hear it. And I still remember from time to time these songs would come on, and the whole theme of the song was, hey, I'm going to do what I want. No one can tell me otherwise. And uh, it was so sad, even as a teenager, hearing that in the background as I'm making burgers and fries, thinking, that's really how you're going to live your life? That's really what it's all about? How sad. How empty. And we could spend lots of time tonight figuring out bad examples of this, um, but I'd much rather look at a good example. Take your Bibles with me to uh, Philippians 2. We're pretty much going to flip back and forth between these two passages, 1 Peter 5 and Philippians 2, um, because Philippians 2 seems to be a good example of the, the truths that we're finding in 1 Peter 5. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, our ultimate pattern, our ultimate example, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. We see God, Jesus Christ, submitting himself and coming to this earth and taking a difficult life here. Enduring great difficulty for us. What a fantastic example of submission. Submitting to his father's plan. Even as we can recall his prayer in the garden uh, before the soldiers came. When he was praying, uh, if there's some other way, let this way, let, let it be done another way. Obviously I'm paraphrasing. But nonetheless, not my will but thine be done. And uh, what a fantastic example of submission. And God calls us to have that same submission to one another and to him, to God the Father. Second key here we see at the end of verse 5 and into verse 6 is humility. Another really popular thing in society, right? Everyone strives to be humble. Uh, we see that in our, our sports figures, in our, our famous people, in, in our leaders. Everyone is aspiring to be humble leaders, right? Or not always, okay? Um, but nonetheless, that's what God calls us to, um, we saw there be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. We're called to be humble. And I think this is even harder than submitting, right? Because we've all submitted, meaning we've done what someone else told us to do, but without a very humble attitude. I mean, I've got, uh, I've got a four-year-old at home and four-year-olds are like, well, Three-year-olds even more, like the perfect picture of this, right? You can get them to obey, but that doesn't mean they're going to be humble about it. Like, they'll go through the motions because they don't want to pay the consequences if they don't, but they're not happy about it. They're not humbling themselves in their heart. They think, I'm right, and Daddy is terribly wrong for making me do this, but I don't want to get in trouble, so I'm going to do it anyways. 
And uh, it's easy for us to, I mean, we, we chuckle at that, you know, little three-year-olds in their uh, stubborn streak. But let's be honest, uh, whether you be 3, 23, 33, 43, whatever, uh, we still struggle with, with pride and stubbornness and wanting to do things our own way. And we might submit to do it someone else's way for a while, but not necessarily having an attitude of humility. Maybe we're waiting for the opportunity to prove that we were right. Maybe we're waiting for this plan to blow up in their face uh, so everyone can see that this, they were totally wrong in the first place. Um, but that's not what we see here. We see an attitude of humility. We see God loving humility, being willing to put under someone else. You know, this phrase is amazing where it says, be clothed with humility. Um, this idea of clothing with humility means to be, to be tied on, to be knotted on. And the picture was that of a slave. A slave, when they were doing their work, they would have to tie on, uh, I believe it was white, a white apron or a white scarf sort of thing around themselves. And that's what differentiated the, the slaves, the bond servants, from the freedmen. Okay? As, as they went about their job, everyone knew this man, this woman is not her own, not his own. They're simply doing what their master calls them to do. Okay? And that's what we're called to do here, to tie this humility around us, not to be doing things for ourselves, but to be doing things for others. Now, primarily, we see towards God, right, the greatest one we have to be humble to, our creator, the omnipotent God, um, but also humility towards one another, which, again, can be hard because we know that one another have our faults sometimes. No one's perfect, and yet God calls us to remember that we aren't perfect either. And to maintain this humility. And again, as I said, we're going to flip back and forth to Philippians 2. Another fantastic example of this humility is found in Jesus Christ himself. We read through verse 7, where Christ came as a servant and took on the likeness, uh, was made in the likeness of man. Verse 8, we see his humility. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of of the cross. If anyone had the right to not be humble, surely it's God. And yet God the Son humbled himself under God the Father and said, I'm going to submit to his plan and I'm going to do it his way. And that's what God calls us to do, to submit to one another, to put each other first in humility, in, in love, looking at other people as greater than ourselves. First two steps. Third step is trusting in God. And this is fantastic. I love this truth. In verse 7, this is one of those memory verses you learn and you repeat from time to time all by itself. Now, it's great to have memory verses that are freestanding, that when a difficulty comes, your mind can latch onto that memory verse, that truth of Scripture, and, and pray it over and, and remember it and trust in God over it. Um, but it's even richer when we look at it in its context here. Verse 7 reads, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Now, oftentimes in my life, this verse has come to mind. I'm tempted to worry. I'm tempted to be anxious. And I'll pray, God, help me to really cast my cares on you and leave it there. And, uh, and that's, that's a true and a right thought to have. Um, but in its context, it's awesome to see what it's following. God says, submit to other people. Be willing to do it their way. Humble to other people. Put them first. And when we do that, when we think, if I do it their way, and I put them first, who's going to take care of me? 
What's going to happen to me? If I put other people first, they're going to walk all over me. They're going to not care about me. They're going to, I'm going to be taken advantage of. Who's going to take care of me? And here's our answer in verse 7. God. God's going to take care of us. After he tells us to do this, to humbly submit to those around us, we cast our cares on him because he cares for us. And we can trust in him. And who better to trust in? Who would you rather have uh, provide for your needs and your necessities? Yourself or God? I mean, think of our feeble limitations compared to God's all power. I mean, there's, there's no comparison whatsoever. Why would we think for an instant that we need to take care of all of our problems ourselves? It's, it's, just, it's just pride and foolishness. But nonetheless, we, we struggle with it from time to time. But here Jesus, God calls us to cast our cares on him because we know that he cares for us and we can trust in him. Now we've been going back and forth to Philippians 2 and we see the ultimate example of that again in verse 8. We read that Christ humbled himself and then we see him trusting in his father's plan no matter how difficult he cast his cares on his father and he became obedient unto death, even the death of of the cross. And again, I remind you of his prayer in the garden. That had to be agonizing. Knowing what's coming. Knowing the sort of, of torture and, and the physical pain. But worst of all, the spiritual separation from his father. And being willing to say, not my will, but yours be done. I, I, we can't really wrap our heads around that. Um, but Christ, again, gives this fantastic example of a humble submission... And trusting that God's going to take care of everything else. Casting our cares on him because he cares for us. Now, if this were it, it seems difficult, right? Submitting to other people, that's hard. <laughs> Showing humility, that makes it harder yet. We're like nearing what feels impossible to us. And then on top of all that, trusting God to take care of our needs instead of ourselves, this seems nearly impossible. And then we've got one more thing added to it. We've got this warning. Not only do we have these difficult things happening, but in verses 8 and 9, we're told we have an enemy out there. And not just any enemy. Verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. I get the, uh, the privilege of teaching the kids Bible class, junior high Bible class here at the school. And uh, every other year, we teach on the life of Christ. We alternate because I've got 7th and 8th graders. And whenever we get to the life of Christ, we get to the part where he was in the wilderness. And it, it always causes me to think and to tell the kids, you know what my favorite part of a zoo is? I love to go to the zoo with my kids. We go there often. We see all these cool animals, and it's, it's so much fun. Watch the kids' expressions. Great. But I tell them my favorite part of the zoo, without a doubt, is the fences. Because without them, it would be terrifying. Right? It would be horrifying if you walk in there, and there are these wild animals roaming around. Some of them may be hungry. Um, good luck. Okay? And we see here that as we're trying to do these, these seemingly impossible tasks... We have an enemy. We have a lion 
who is trying to find us, who is trying to, as, as the passage says here, devour us. Um, it uses the word adversary here in verse 8, which is talking about a, a, an opponent in a courtroom. Okay? He is out to get us. He is wanting to prove us wrong. He is wanting to make it so that we can't accomplish this task God has given us. And, and by the way, we can't. <laughs> That's kind of the point. On our own, we can't do these things. It's, it's too hard. And we have this lion hunting us down, making it all the more difficult, who wants to mess up this image of God. He doesn't want us as a body of Christ to, to show God's love to one another. He doesn't want us to show God's love to the world around us. He doesn't want us to live out the gospel in front of one another. He wants strife. He wants divisions. He wants selfishness and pride. And that's what he's trying to accomplish in us. And we can't do it. We just can't. We're not strong enough. None of us are. Um, and at one point, I thought for the sake of time, we'd only go through verse 9. But I thought, that's way too depressing. <laughs> we can't stop at verse 9. We can't do that. We can't stop at the impossible task. So let's look at verse 10. But, here's our hope, our confidence. The God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is that hope I referred to at the beginning. Look at these first four points. If you think you can do this, you're fooling yourself. Those first four points we can't do under our own strength. We just can't. We're not strong enough. We have this sin nature that we're constantly wrestling, we're constantly fighting against. We can't do it on our own. And God here steps in and he gives us a hope. He gives us a confidence that this is going to be accomplished through his strength, not our own. He called us to, to his eternal glory. By Christ Jesus, and He will make us perfect or, or complete. He will establish us, He will strengthen us, He will settle us, and He'll receive the glory for it. Now, one last time, we're going to flip back to Philippians 2. Because I thought it was amazing to read the end of this. Verse 11 God ultimately gets the glory for us obeying Him in these first four steps. Okay? We see a very similar thing here in Philippians chapter 2. In verse 8, we saw Christ being obedient unto death on the cross. Verse 9, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We see a very similar idea here. He had a very difficult task. He had to submit, be humble, trust in God, and Satan was attacking him. And as he faithfully served his father, when it's all said and done, God gives his son glory, but ultimately that glory gets reflected back to God the Father. And that's what's happening here. God gives this task, but he empowers us to do it. And that way when it's all done, he's the one who gets the glory, not us. So let me encourage you, these are hard we should be striving to do these things, but not our own strength. Be in prayer. Ask God to help us to be humble, to submit, to trust in him that he will take care of our needs, even when we're concerned about meeting the needs of others. Be aware that there's an enemy out there that's trying to get us to, to trip up, to become selfish, to become proud, 
but ultimately know that we can trust in God and in his goodness to see us through. And, uh, and in the end, he'll receive the glory for it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for its eternal truth. Lord, we thank you for the instructions that you give us in it. We thank you for the examples you give us in it, specifically tonight, the example of your son and, uh, and his, his perfection in fulfilling each of these, these steps, these difficult things. But Lord, we thank you for that example and for the instructions you give us. Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us. Lord, truly this is too hard for any of us to do on our own. We just can't. We're sinful and our flesh dwells no good thing. So Lord, help us to trust in your strength and in your goodness to help us accomplish our goals, to keep us safe from the attacks of, of the lion Satan here. And ultimately, Lord, we pray that you would receive all the glory for it. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.